If you've been interested in energy healing or you're an energy healer practitioner yourself, this clip may interest you or it might kind of annoy you. Hey, Adele Wong here, and welcome to the podcast where we explore all things around what is needed to maximize your full potential in your life and livelihood. Energy healing is a topic I know very well personally, as I spent over 10 years as a professional energy medicine healer, working with clients. In five years, I was in a medical setting, working side-by-side with board-certified MDs. We worked in a clinic, um, doctor's office, and I saw the full gamut of issues. And I also know that energy medicine is becoming more and more prominent in the main mainstream, especially with modalities like Reiki. Uh, Reiki is one of the simplest and easiest forms to learn. It is something that when people are curious about energy healing, I typically steer them towards a Reiki class. It's the least complicated, and it can really give you a boost of a sense of what energy is um, in terms of feeling energy in your hands, allowing it to move through your body, and seeing how it can serve other people. But in this clip, I want to move into something that might be a little bit more mm, controversial or not as mainstream in the conversation around energy healing. One of the reasons why I pivoted from only doing energy work with patients, um, although I was getting very good results, I noticed that many of the most intractable issues I was working with medically um, required a broader tool set of what we call energy work. By that I mean right now, what is considered energy healing still tends to be some form of energy manipulation or moving often with the hands, hands-on work. Um, often the client or the patient is on a table and we are palpating the client's field and doing things like clearing their field, perhaps moving energy through the body um, if there's an area that needs it. And all that can be very helpful. And like anything, all things are useful. And I am more interested in working with the best tool for the best situation. I think the reason why I became so well-known and had such great successes with the most intractable of diseases or or illnesses um, is because I developed a wider tool set of how to work with energy than only the traditional sense of working with the chakras, hands-on. Because energy is in the room all the time. And one of the most powerful ways to work with energy is for you to know your own so that you can communicate with the client on a much deeper level than is typically done um, when energy is used more as a treatment model. By that I mean, um, I'm, uh, I think Reiki is lovely. There are many forms of healing. There's quantum touch. There's shamanic work. There, there are many forms, and they all have value. 
but it's still kind of a treatment model, especially Reiki. When you think of Reiki, I think Reiki is excellent for certain situations, like I mentioned, um, when someone is very exhausted, depleted, often perhaps unable to speak. The body might be experiencing some pain because of the stress going on, the overwhelm, that a Reiki session can be delightful. And that was how I started for several years. It is a silent process. There's a channeling of energy that happens in the space. And it's similar to how you might get a massage, that you would go when you don't feel so great, lie down, and have someone work with you on your energy field and get up from the table after an hour, hopefully feeling much better. There's tremendous value in that. But I'm here to suggest that if you really want to be a master of healing, a master of energy, there is so much more available than that or another hands-on energetic technique. Now, there are some... um, I wrote an article, gosh, I guess it was 10, 15 years ago, about the different kinds of energy medicine because at that time the languaging was so inexact that, you know, is it chi-based? Is it chakra-based? Is it, you know, not body-specific? Like shamanic work is not typically a body-specific way. Crystal healing is not body-specific, but Reiki tends to be bioenergetic. There are many forms of energy healing I think if you Google my name, I might still be out there. But that article went viral. Oh my gosh, thousands, tens, 50,000 people read that article. And I realized that this was a topic whose time had come. We need to expand our discussion, our vocabulary, our, our concepts of what we mean in healing, energy healing. I mean, to me, all healing is energy healing. It's just the term energy healing has been boxed into a more technique way. It's hinting at Reiki or quantum touch or um, schools and methods of working with bioenergy healing, or even maybe a crystal healer works with stones on the body. These are processes. These are ways of working with energy and they have value. But From my point of view, if you really want to master healing, all healing is energetic in nature. So the word energy healing is, to me, a little bit um, of a misnomer. Um, My hope is that as we move forward in understanding more levels of consciousness and growth, personal development, these words can be clarified or offered with a bit more context. But back to what I was saying, I think the reason why I started to get really incredible results with patients and clients um, was because I was using a broader tool set than only the typical ways of manipulating energy. And that had to do with a type of profound listening. Listening to people as they were telling me about what was going on inside of them listening on a deep level. And I realized that I had always had this gift and I wasn't using it to its full capacity. 
and probably because I thought everybody could do that. But of course, this was part of my own self-discovery of what, it, what does it mean when we're really listening and being with someone? And I think, like anything, there are different levels. And they're all, they all have value. We're not trying to say which one is better than the other. But there is a quality in the room, in the listening, that occurs only when and after the person there, the, the, the practitioner or the healer or the coach or whatever, only after you have gone there yourself can you hold a vibration for a client such that transformation can occur without even a whole lot of needing to know the endless details of what's going on. And I think this is really useful for for you as a healer or if you are thinking of finding someone, especially if you're sitting with something that has been intractable in nature, that it is paramount that you find someone that you truly feel good with. And that is an energetic chemistry. That is an energetic match that belies technique, how many years someone's been doing what they do, or their certification in XYZ. You'll feel it. And even if you're not completely sure, or even if there's a sense of, well, I don't know, or you know, there might be something that says just another conversation, or just this is something worth investigating. If you've been raised to be very skeptical, like I was, or maybe there's been some disappointment in the past, you will still feel when there's a match of something possible here. And perhaps you're being nudged to just explore that. But energy healing, the way I think of it, needs to incorporate a lot more than just the bioenergetic field. And to do this, it takes a lot of awareness of where you are if you are the person sitting with someone. Because every shadow in you, every, every part of you that you can develop and, and, and be with more, only increases your ability to sit with and understand someone else's shadows and allow them and enable them to move through them. Healing was never meant to be a prescriptive approach of you just need to let that go. Or can you see you have a pattern, a limiting belief here? Or you're in your story. Can you feel that those perspectives, although that they're not wrong, they don't usually carry a vibration that can truly empower someone to move, especially when someone doesn't feel well. Oftentimes, physical illness is deeply correlated with emotional stuff. And this is what I always noticed, even when I first started working with patients next to the physicians. They would send me somebody. And at the time, I wasn't as confident in dialoguing with people. You know, hey, what's going on? I would do primarily the physical um, energetic manipulation, which was fine. 
But I could always feel in the energy field how much was unspoken, how much was unexpressed, how much the heart was just overwhelmed and looking for a place to perhaps call home, looking for a place to express its music, even if it was the sound of heartbreak, a beautiful song of sorrow. To me, energetically, it was all beautiful. The symphony that comes out of people, you know, whether you're having a great day or a crappy day, in my book, anything that's expressed in its its true fullness of honesty, your, your true expression. I don't even want to use the word authenticity because I, I cringe at that word because it's being hammered to death in the marketing field. But anything that's coming from the depths of your being can only be beautiful. It can be nothing else, even when it's sad. And when that song is sung and someone else hears it, fully. Something happens. And so if you are listening to people, there's always the next level of your ability to hear um, energetically, spiritually, intuitively, on a deep, profound level, that you don't need to be constantly looking to give advice and this is where I see a lot of beginning beginner coaches and healers really struggling. That they are listening only as far as to prescribe a solution, advice, an answer, or to point out to the client where they might be stuck in a story. They might have a limiting belief. They might have a negative whatever. And by merely bringing that up, is not where the healing occurs. In fact, you don't ever really have to point that out for something really magical to happen. It can shift in the room without ever being analyzed. Through it, it, The conversation doesn't even need to be that involved. It can be at times, but it's really an energetic conversation more than a psychological or intellectual one. There are many levels of communication, and all of them are energy. All of them have healing capacity. So if we talk about energy healing, it's kind of a generic catch-all. Certainly, there's healing that needs to occur in the mind of something very upsetting that occurred. And along with that, there's many layers of that. The emotional field, the spiritual field. Sometimes there's even um, trauma from this lifetime, intergenerational trauma. These layers are all there. And a lot of times, the capacity to hold all of them at once without the need to fix or change the other person that might be exactly what someone really needs. And this is often a challenge for coaches because they feel the pressure to produce a result. And my thought is, even if you do get someone to see something on the mental level, if the other levels are not 
also addressed at the same time. It's almost like Pokemon or, or Gumby Bear. You know, people are pulled. We want all of you in one place moving together. And it's natural. Sometimes parts of us heal much faster than others. Typically, an insight is, you know, 10 miles ahead. Oh, I got that one in the flash of an eye, a, a, a blink of an eye. But maybe physically, my body can't keep up yet. And so too much of that can be stressful when I know one thing, but I do another. And so usually, you know, it, it's about putting all of you in, in one place so you can feel fully present with all of these power centers firing at the same time to inform you on your way forward. That is truly healing, energy healing. And as part of that, you might use Reiki. But there's a huge amount of possibility that can happen when you embrace the non-physical ways of energy that have to do with awareness, consciousness, the soul, true profound listening. And this is often a challenge for sensitive people because if you haven't done enough work on your own sensitivity, there is a tendency to get lost in someone else's stuff, to be drained, to be preoccupied. And now we have two people feeling not great instead of one. But my, my posit to you is when you truly have done your own shadow work and deep dived, this sort of music coming from clients, it really is music. It is food. It is something up that is juicy and ready to be expressed in however it needs to be moved rather than, oh my God, this pain. Because if you have danced with your own, someone else's pain doesn't overwhelm you. In fact, there's a feeling of gravitas that can come in of, don't worry, I, you're not weird, I got you here. I've been in a similar place myself. And that can be so calming to someone who's in the throes of whatever. When I was in the um, office working with physicians, there were a slew of medical conditions that they always sent me that these were patients that just never seemed to do very well, no matter what they did. Um, and it wasn't the patient specifically. It was the conditions. There are certain conditions that conventional medicine has always struggled with. And I started to notice a pattern that these illnesses, not only were they chronic but, and you know, wrecked people's quality of life, sent patients into despair, anxiety, and depression. They were very expensive to treat. Try this medication, try that, try this, try that. But there was always one area that I stepped into because someone had to go there. And even when patients saw therapists, I noticed a lot depended on that, what kind of therapy they were doing. And I started to notice that only taking things from a psychological lens um, also had its limitations. You know, patients would say things like, well, gosh, I've been in therapy for five years. I feel like it's the same thing over and over. I don't think I'm getting anywhere. I'm like, ah, gotcha. I love those situations. Because in this realm, at least in the 
the lane that I occupy. There's a whole other space that can contribute along with any med, any psychotherapy, uh, yoga, whatever else things people are doing. But the, the illnesses that I started to notice that I was very good at were the intractable ones that included things like IBS, Crohn's, um, arthritis, migraine, ulcer, OCD, chronic fatigue. Um, I think I had lupus, certain forms of um, chronic pain that never got better, joint pain, back pain. Um, I, 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 there are a few more. But I started to see that these over and over, and I noticed these are all illnesses when the internal world of the patient is off. You can treat it all day long with herbs, yoga, meditation, which, which is good. But if problems don't get solved in people's lives, then everything in healing becomes about coping. You know, just cope. The, you know, yet meditation will help, of course. Yoga will help, yes, of course. But something is off internally in the spirit with what's going on with someone inside until someone can go there with somebody to do some reflection, some investigation, some curious exploration. Everything else becomes about coping and managing. You know, I am not interested in people managing their stress, keeping it down to a roar. It becomes this model of just sort of batten down the hatches, you know, you just sort of manage your stress. But the question to me is always, why are people so stressed to begin with? And is that a necessary given? Or what if this stress is hinting at the more, the potential of what people really need and want to be happy? Spend your energy there. If something needs to be managed, that's fine. But Nothing can be managed away or meditated away or yoga away or organic fooded away or a Prozac away if your marriage sucks, if you hate your job, if you are not getting what you need on, uh, on a relational level. All that other stuff becomes a coping mechanism. And it might be useful to see what can be done to start changing things that are like a thorn in somebody's side. And some of these thorns may not even be conscious. They may have been from another time. This is where the role of trauma plays a big part. I am a trauma-informed professional. And so there is a special way to dance with these things that are no longer in present time, but they're here in the room. I've also been doing some work with intergenerational trauma, which is very powerful. But stepping into this box requires a different set of tools. It's fascinating. It's juicy. Clients typically really enjoy it because growth of any kind is joyful. Even when it's painful sometimes, even when it's intense, there's such a feeling of satisfaction when you feel like you're getting somewhere. When you're not getting anywhere, that's when people whip out the antidepressants because it's depressing, yeah? And so if you're only relying on a 
modality of one kind like Reiki, that's good for some things. But if it's used as a coping mechanism, you know, this is often what I see a lot of times is if someone has trauma in the field and the aura is shaky, I'm not always wild about Reiki being the go-to at that moment. Why? Because the, the field is already so fragile. Reiki may feel good, may be useful, but in a way, when someone has been traumatized, they're sort of handing over their energy field to someone else, which is kind of what happened early on when they were in trauma. They're very vulnerable. Will you just fix me? And that's fine if someone had a horrible day. They're going through a rough time. Oh my God, I just need some nurturing. Fabulous. Let me just do do this for you. But if it is someone in a traumatized state, there are some other tools that I think are bigger bang for the buck in terms of getting people feeling good again. And then Reiki might be a beautiful choice. So this is a longer discussion than I can fit in this podcast episode. But I guess what I wanted to suggest was, if we can expand our ideas of what we think energy healing is, to know that there are so many ways of healing. And energy healing is not just a modality of Reiki or crystals or shamanic or ayahuasca in the Amazon or or whatnot. Consciousness has many ways of moving. There are many different ways of, of, of awareness. And this is what makes doing what I do for myself personally so rewarding because I'm always um, opening to a new level of awareness for myself personally. I wouldn't want it any other way. It brings up more joy, even more purpose and self-discovery of what I'm meant to do. My creativity flows. I get excited. And that is contagious for my clients because that is what they want too. So somebody in the room needs to be activated so that it can be like a homeopathic bing and it goes out and stimulates someone else's energy field often without needing to run energy through anyone's body. It just happens. And that is how community and consciousness, you know, the tribe can be so powerful for one another. It's not just me, myself, and I in a room somewhere doing yoga or getting a Reiki treatment. Those are good, and we need a wider awareness of what's possible when people share. So I'll be talking more about this, and as usual, um, I welcome a subscribe to this channel. If you've enjoyed this, leave a review. I really value your input. Um, Send this episode to a friend who might be exploring um, his or her own spiritual growth and development might be curious in these topics where words are not always very clear, but we're getting there. And as a community, we can, we can do this. We can do this. Thanks.